0: Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
1: We have gone through a presidency that disregarded a whole host of basic institutional norms. What we've seen is what some people call truth decay. (laughs) something that's been accelerated by outgoing President Trump, the sense that not only do we not have to tell the truth, but the truth doesn't even matter.
2: Tonight, President Barack Obama on the state of our nation and
1: insights from a new memoir about his own presidency. And I ask myself in the book, uh, how much of this is just megalomania? How much of this is vanity? How much of this is me trying to um, prove something to myself.
3: Unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard of TikTok.
4: Here's the problem with TikTok as it exists now. It is owned by a Chinese parent company that has direct ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, and we also know that under Chinese law, TikTok, ByteDance, the parent, is required to share data With the Chinese Communist Party. Required. Required to under Chinese law. American users, parents, teenagers, they have no way of knowing about any of this. I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Bill Whitaker. I'm Anderson Cooper. I'm
2: Scott Pelley. Those stories and more tonight on 60 Minutes. On election night 2016... Then-President Barack Obama called Donald Trump at about 3 o'clock in the morning to congratulate him, even though Mr. Trump had lost the popular vote and took the Electoral College by less than 1% in three states. Today, President Trump declines to accept the verdict of the voters, despite losing by greater margins to President-elect Joe Biden. Mr. Obama hasn't spoken of the election standoff until today. We spoke to the 44th president on the release of his new book, A Promised Land, a memoir of his early years and first term. What is your advice in this moment for President Trump?
1: Well, a president is a a public servant. They are temporary occupants of the office by design. And when your time is up, uh, then it is your job to put the country first and think beyond your own ego and your own interests and your own disappointments. Um, My advice to President Trump uh, is, if you want at this late stage in the game to be remembered as somebody who put country first, uh, it's time for you to do the same thing. In your view, it is time for him to concede? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think it was time for him to concede probably... Uh, the day after the election, uh, or at the latest two days after the election. uh, When you look at the numbers, objectively, uh, Joe Biden will have won handily. There is no scenario in which um, any of uh, those states would turn the other way, and certainly not enough to reverse uh, the outcome of the election.
2: More than the courtesy of a concession... The Trump White House is declining to free up the usual funds and facilities for the incoming administration. President-elect Biden is not receiving secret national security briefings as Mr. Trump did when he was president-elect. What, in your estimation, would our adversaries be thinking right now, Russia, China, about the fact that the transition is not moving forward?
1: Well, look, I think our adversaries have seen Uh, us weakened, uh, not just as a consequence of this election, but over the last several years. Uh, We have these cleavages in the body politic that uh, they're convinced they can exploit. There's the old adage that partisan politics should uh, stop at the water's edge, right? That uh, when it comes to uh, our foreign policy, that It is the United States of America, uh, not the divided states of America. We
2: met the former president at a symbol of America's past divisions. The Smithsonian's National Portrait Gallery was a hospital in the Civil War. Clara Barton and Walt Whitman cared for patients in the building where the 16th president consoled his wounded. We joined Mr. Obama's peers in the gallery of the presidents to talk about his book. I'm curious about the title. I think a lot of people feel that we are farther
1: from a promised land. Well, I I titled it The Promised Land because even though we may not get there in our lifetimes, even if we experience hardships and disappointments along the way, uh, that I at least still have faith we can uh, create a more perfect union. Not a perfect union, but a more perfect union. You write in the book,
2: our democracy seems to be teetering on the brink of a crisis.
1: What do you mean? We have gone through a presidency that disregarded a whole host of basic institutional norms, uh, expectations we have for a president that uh, have been observed by Republicans and Democrats uh, previously. Uh, And maybe most importantly, uh, and and, uh, most disconcertingly, what we've seen is what some people call truth decay. (laughs) Something that's been accelerated by outgoing President Trump. The sense that not only do we not have to tell the truth, but the truth doesn't even matter. What are these false claims of widespread election fraud doing to our country right now? The president doesn't like to lose, and uh, never admits loss. Um, I'm more troubled by the fact that other Republican officials who clearly know better are going along with this, are humoring him in this fashion. Um, It is one more step in delegitimizing not just the incoming Biden administration, but democracy generally. And that's a dangerous path. We would never accept that out of our own kids behaving that way if they lost, right? I, I mean, if, if if my daughters in any kind of competition uh, pouted and and then accused uh, the other side of uh, cheating when they lost when there was no evidence of it, we'd scold them. You know, I I think that there has been uh, this sense over the last several years that. Literally anything goes and is justified in order to get power. Uh, and uh, you know, that's not unique to the United States. There are strongmen and dictators around the world who think that I can do anything to stay in power. Uh, I can kill people, I can throw them in jail, I can run phony elections, I can suppress journalists. Um, but that's not who we're supposed to be, and one of the signals I think that uh, Joe Biden needs to send to the world is that no th- those values that we preached and we uh, believed in and subscribed in uh, we still believe
2: president elect Biden won in this election more votes than anyone in history, yeah and yet. The 2020 vote wasn't a repudiation of Donald Trump. It was more like an affirmation. He received 71 million votes, 8 million more than he did in 2016. What does that tell you about our country today?
1: Well, A, it tells us that we're very divided. And as I said, it's not just the politicians now. The voters are divided. Um it has now become a contest where issues, facts, policies per se don't matter uh, as much as identity and wanting to uh, beat the other guy. Uh, You know, that's taken priority. I do think the current media environment adds to that greatly. This democracy doesn't work if we don't have an informed citizenry. This democracy doesn't work if we don't have uh, responsible elected officials at other levels who are willing to call the president when he's not doing something right call him on it it
2: seems though mr president that americans have gone from disagreeing with one another to hating one another the a problem that this man
1: had uh, you know and i wonder uh, how he's, how a, he's we... a he's a good example of uh, of somebody who uh, who i think understood deeply Uh, the need to to be able to see uh, another person's point of view. How do we overcome where we are today? Well, there's no uh, American figure that I admire uh, any more than Abraham Lincoln, but he did end up uh, with a civil war on his hands. I think we would like to avoid that. Uh, I I, I do think that uh, a new president can set a new tone that's not going to solve all the gridlock in Washington. I think we're going to have to work um, with the media and with the tech companies to find ways to inform the public better about the issues and to uh, bolster the, the standards that ensure we can separate truth from fiction. I think that we have to work at a local level. When you start getting to the local level, mayors, uh, county commissioners, et cetera, they've actually got to make real decisions. It's not abstractions. It's like, we need to fix this road. We need to uh, get this snow plowed. We need to make sure our kids uh, have a a safe playground to to play in. And uh, at that level, I don't think people have that kind of visceral hatred, and and that's where we have to start in terms of rebuilding the social trust we need for democracy to work.
2: Mr. Obama is speaking after four years of virtual silence on Donald Trump. He followed a traditional commandment largely observed since Adam succeeded Washington, thou shall not criticize your successor. In A Promised Land, he wonders if that was a mistake. In your book, you ask, quote, whether I was too tempered in speaking the truth, too cautious in word or deed. Many Americans, Mr. President, believe you were too cautious, too tempered.
5: Yeah,
1: and and I think that's a a legitimate and understandable uh, criticism. At the end of the day, I consistently tried to treat my political opposition uh, in the ways I'd want to be treated, to not overreact when, for example, uh, somebody yells, you lie, in the middle of me giving a joint congressional address. It's not true. I understand why there were times where my supporters wanted me to be more pugilistic to, you know, uh, pop folks... Uh, in the head and and, and and duke it out a little bit more. Was um, it
2: a mistake that you didn't?
1: Every president brings a certain temperament to office. I think part of the reason I got elected was because I sent a message that fundamentally, I believe the American people are good and decent and that um, politics doesn't have to be uh, some cage match in, uh, in which... Uh, Everybody is is going at each other's throats uh, and that we can agree without being disagreeable.
2: There have been worse presidential transitions than 2020. The southern states seceded while Lincoln was president-elect. Still, we couldn't help but notice outside the National Portrait Gallery, businesses are still boarded up against the fear of political violence. What should President Trump do on this next
1: Inauguration Day. Look, there there are a set of traditions that we have followed in the peaceful transfer of power. The outgoing president congratulates the incoming president, instructs the government and the agencies to cooperate with the new government coming in. You You invite the president-elect to the Oval Office. How are you? And then, on Inauguration Day... The president invites the president-elect to the White House. There's a small reception. And then you drive to the inauguration site. And the outgoing president sits there, is part of the audience, as the new president is sworn in. And at that point, the outgoing president is a citizen like everybody else, and owes the new president the chance to do their best uh, on behalf of the American people. Whether uh, Donald Trump uh, will do the same thing, We'll have to see. So far, that's not been uh, his approach. Um, But, uh, you know, uh, hope springs eternal. There's a promised land out there somewhere.
2: Two hours after Mr. Obama said that, President Trump tweeted from the White House, We will win even though no state is reporting fraud or errors that could change the outcome. We'll be back with Barack Obama on other crises in our country and one in his own
6: home. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret?
5: That's
3: SleepingDogsMovie.com slash Wondery.
2: During Barack Obama's first inauguration in 2009, unknown to the public, there was intelligence that a terrorist attack was planned. President Obama had at the podium instructions he would read to the crowd should there be an evacuation of nearly two million people from the National Mall. This is one of the insights in Mr. Obama's new book, A Promised Land, a memoir of his early years, his historic election, and his first term. We spoke to the 44th president about battles past and present. Did you watch the video of George Floyd's
1: strangulation? Of course. It was heartbreaking. Um, Very rarely, though, did you see it so viscerally. And over a stretch of time where the humanity of the victim is so apparent, the pain and the the vulnerability of of someone uh, so clear. And it was, I think, a moment in which America, for a brief moment, came face to face with uh, a reality that African-Americans in this country, I think, had understood for. Quite some time and I was heartened and and uh, inspired by the, the galvanizing effect that it had on the country as a whole um, the fact that it wasn't just black people it wasn't just so quote-unquote liberals who were appalled by it reacted to it and eventually marched but it was everybody and it was uh, a, a small first step in the kind of reckoning with our past and our present that so often uh, we avoid. But, Mr. President, Trayvon Martin,
2: yeah. Tamir Rice, Breonna Taylor, right, George Floyd, right. why is this injustice never
1: overcome? Well, for a couple of reasons. One is that we have a criminal justice system in which we ask, oftentimes very young, oftentimes not very well-trained officers, to go into communities and just keep a lid on things. And we don't try to get at some of the underlying causes for chronic poverty. So if we're going to actually solve this problem, there are some specific things we can do to make sure that our contracts with police officers uh, don't completely insulate them when they do something wrong, putting money into budgets for training these police officers more effectively, teaching police officers not to escalate, but to de-escalate. But it's important for us not to let ourselves off the hook and think this is just a police problem because those shootings, that devaluation of life is part and parcel with a legacy of discrimination and Jim Crow and segregation that we're all responsible for. And if we're going to actually put an end to racial bias in the criminal justice system, then we're going to have to work on doing something about racial bias in corporate America and bias in where people can buy homes. And, and that is a larger project in which all of the good news is all of us can take some responsibility. We, we can all do better on this front than we've been doing. Scott, how are you? Elbow bump. I'm
2: well, Mr. President. We joined the president this past Wednesday behind masks and then kept our distance as the U.S. counted 143,000 known COVID infections that day, a new record. Mr. Obama had also faced an outbreak in his first term, a new flu, H1N1.
1: Well, I was terrified of it uh, and very quickly mobilized a team. Uh, to figure out how are we going to take the best possible approach. And from the start, I had some very clear criteria, which was, number one, we're going to follow the science. And the second thing was, let's make sure we're providing good information to the American people.
2: But H1N1 was not as contagious nor as lethal as COVID. It ultimately killed 12,000 Americans. Other battles in his book include the financial crisis, passing the Affordable Care Act, the decision to kill Osama bin Laden, and leaving eight years of work in the hands of another. You begin the book by writing about the day that you left Washington, quote, to someone diametrically opposed to everything we stood
1: for. That may be the one thing that uh, Donald Trump and I agree on, (laughs) is that he doesn't agree with me on anything. I don't see him as the cause for our divisions, and the problems with our government. I think he's an accelerant, but they preceded him and sadly uh, are going to likely outlast him. You write in the book that Republicans
2: had a battle plan to, quote, refuse to work with me, regardless of the circumstances, the issue, or the consequences for the country. Now, the same might be said of Democrats in a Republican administration. I wonder if today you think that Democrats and Republicans are no longer
1: capable of compromise. First of all, I don't think this is uh, just a plague on both their houses here. So the Democrats opposed George Bush on a whole bunch of stuff. But Ted Kennedy worked with George Bush to pass uh, a prescription drug Plan for seniors. Nancy Pelosi, who adamantly opposed the war in Iraq, time and again voted, even when her base was angry about it, to make sure that our troops were funded once the decision uh, to send in troops to Iraq uh, went in.
2: Mr. Obama blames gridlock on something old and something new. The Senate's filibuster tradition, which allows whatever party is in the minority to block legislation and non-traditional media
1: the media landscape has changed and as a consequence voters perceptions have changed so that i think democratic and republican voters have become much more partisan i would often hear this from republicans uh, during my presidency some of these folks had been colleagues of mine i would i served in the senate some of them were friends of mine and they would confess to me i said look Ms. President, I know you're right, but if I vote with you on this, I'm going to get killed. I'll lose my seat. Because what had happened is their voter base had soaked in so much information that was demonizing me, demonizing the Affordable Care Act, that it becomes very difficult, even for folks who want to cooperate, to cooperate. And that's why uh, I am somebody who does not blame the current partisanship solely on donald trump or solely on social media you already saw some of these trends taking place early in my presidency but i do think they've kept on getting worse
2: the former president also writes about his unlikely rise including the obstacles at home you're surprisingly honest in the book Mm -hmm. about your wife's opposition to you running for president in 2008 you quote her as saying The answer is no, I do not want you running for president. God, Barack, when is it going to be enough? Did Um, I get the tone right?
1: It was a little sharper than that, but it was pretty good, Scott. And then she walks (laughs) out of the room. Why did that not stop you? Look, it's a legitimate question. Keep in mind the context here. We had just two years earlier, I'd run for the U.S. Senate in an unlikely race. Two years before that, I had run for Congress. In a race you lost. In a race I lost. A couple of years before that, I had run for the state Senate. We've got two young kids. Michelle's still working. And I asked myself in the book, you know, how much of this is just megalomania? How much of this is vanity? How much of this is me trying to um, prove something to myself? And over time, she made a conclusion that I shouldn't stand in the way of this. Um, she did that she so, should not stand in the way of your ambitions yeah, to be president. Yeah, and and, and she did so grudgingly. Um, and the fact that I ended up winning didn't necessarily alleviate <laughs> her her frustration because the toll it takes on families is real.
2: I think it's only after you emerge from an all consuming job that you realize that everything you hold dear is thanks to the one you love?
1: I think I actually realized that even while I was in the job. Um, the fact that she put up with it and forgave me <laughs> was uh, a, an, an act of uh, of grace that I uh, am grateful for, uh, and I'm not sure I deserved it. The goal here, Scott.
2: today at age 59 mr obama is working on his presidential center
1: so this is going to be on the south side of chicago in historic jackson park and uh it's it's the place where michelle and i met where i first started in public life his team brought this model to show us
2: mr obama's foundation has raised from private donations a little over half the estimated five hundred million dollar cost. It'll take about four years once they start.
1: It's uh, going to be a place where you know we have the standard model oval office and Michelle's dresses, which will be very popular, no doubt. Um, but also, you know, a whole host of facilities that allow us to provide classroom training to young people who are interested in uh, public service and. You know, to beautify a park that uh, can serve uh, a whole bunch of young people who've been uh, underserved in the past. In his
2: last moments in the Oval Office, Mr. Obama left a note in the president's desk for his successor. It read in part, We are just temporary occupants of this office. It's up to us to leave the instruments of our democracy at least as strong as we found them.
1: On that last day Uh, the emotions really focus on the team that you've been working on. And it's very rare outside of maybe wartime where you get a collection of people working together in a sustained way under that kind of pressure and stress. And so there's a melancholy to it. There was also, though, and I write about this, a satisfaction in knowing that I had... uh, finished the job, I had run my stretch of the race, and I could say unequivocally, despite regrets and disappointments about some things not getting done, um, the country was better off uh, when I left than when I I got there.
3: The Trump administration was set to ban TikTok, the wildly popular Chinese-owned mobile phone application, until Friday when the short-form video service was granted a two-week reprieve by the U.S. government to find an American buyer. That means TikTok will keep running on 100 million American devices. And that's been the administration's worry, claiming that TikTok, quote, automatically captures vast swaths of information from its users, potentially allowing China to track the locations of federal employees, conduct corporate espionage, or even blackmail. President-elect Biden has called the Chinese-owned app a matter of genuine concern. TikTok says that's all unfounded, that it's a platform for creativity and free expression. So we wanted to know if TikTok is merely a pawn in the great power rivalry between the US and China or a genuine threat. This is TikTok.
7: Go, go, go. Go
3: It bills itself as the last sunny corner on the internet. 50 million Americans spend nearly an hour each day scrolling through a never ending parade of short videos made by other users. They may be lip syncing popular
0: songs
3: or performing them themselves. TikTok is a stage for preening. And dancing. But like Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, TikTok's real business is keeping you engaged as long as possible in order to collect your data.
7: They're not providing a platform for music videos out of the goodness of their heart, right? They're making money by providing really deep insights into their user base.
3: Klan Kitchen spent 15 years working for the U.S. intelligence community, including the CIA, and now is director of technology policy at the Conservative Heritage Foundation.
7: What makes TikTok particularly concerning is its relationship with the Chinese Communist Party in Beijing, the government of China. The Chinese have fused their government and their industry together so that they cooperate to achieve
3: the ends of the state. And TikTok is a factor in that? Yeah, so I, mean, I when think, you But when you look at it, it just seems... Dance fun videos. ...fun and innocuous. Imagine
7: you woke up tomorrow morning and you saw a news report that China had distributed a 100 million sensors around the United States and that any time an American walked past one of these sensors, this sensor automatically collected off of your phone your name, your home address, your personal network, who you're friends with your online viewing habits, and a whole host of other pieces of information. Well, that's precisely what TikTok is. It has 100 million U.S. users. It collects all of
3: that information. And more. Like many U.S. social media companies, TikTok asks users for access to their cameras, microphones, photos, videos, and contacts. More obscure data, like keystroke patterns, are collected from everyone using the app. Keystrokes, what, what does that tell them?
8: The patterns and the rhythms of the way that you strike the keyboard, um, it can basically say, this device belongs to this user. And you can do a lot with that if you are a foreign government. Um, it's very, very invasive.
3: Kara Frederick knows the power of big tech. She helps set up Facebook's counterterrorism program after spending six years at the Pentagon, the national security agency, and as a targeter for special operations in Afghanistan.
8: Gen Z lives on this. Uh, Gen Z is going to grow up someday. Do we want um, all of that information sort of hanging out there for nation-state adversaries to scoop up, to integrate with other data sets? But
3: is it is it different from what other apps collect?
8: So a lot of applications do uh, collect um, these, you know, fulsome, comprehensive digital profiles. Uh, They collect your digital behavior. However, TikTok um, is owned by a Beijing-based company called ByteDance.
3: ByteDance is a $140 billion Chinese company founded by this man, 37-year-old Zhang Yiming. Known as an AI or artificial intelligence savant, Zhang created the cutting-edge, AI-driven algorithm that fuels all of ByteDance's platforms, like Douyin, the Chinese version of TikTok, with 600 million daily users. Both apps use the same logo and similar algorithms, which analyze exactly how long users watch a video, experiment with new offerings, Fine-tuning until it seems to be reading users' minds.
4: TikTok is the first foreign-based application, social media application, that has taken off in the United States. Nobody else has been able to do that. Why? Because their artificial intelligence, their algorithm, is so good.
3: At 40, Republican Josh Hawley is the youngest member of the U.S. Senate and a former attorney general of Missouri. A staunch supporter of President Trump, he's earned bipartisan support for exposing the excesses of big tech. Google, Facebook, and Apple have all been in his sights. Now it's TikTok.
4: So we'll start off then with, I'll kind of frame it, and then we'll go into the TikTok questions.
3: We were with him last March as he prepared to chair a subcommittee hearing that he called dangerous partners, big tech and Beijing. But TikTok and Apple were no-shows
4: executives from TikTok, they will never come and take the oath and testify in public. That, I think, is unusual. And I think it begs the question, what is it they have to hide?
3: TikTok will tell you that it's a platform for free expression. And they sort of market themselves as the sunniest place on the internet.
4: Here's the problem with TikTok as it exists now. It is owned by a Chinese parent company that has direct ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, And we also know that under Chinese law, TikTok, ByteDance, the parent, is required to share data with the Chinese Communist Party. Required. Required to under Chinese law. That's not a matter of speculation. That's in the law. American users, parents, teenagers, they have no way of knowing about any of this.
3: China is also notorious for using its big tech companies to track and predict the behavior of its own citizens, as seen in this 60 Minutes report from last year. China's stated goal is to become the world leader in artificial intelligence by 2030. Senator Hawley fears China is doing the same thing here. Just last February, the Department of Justice charged four Chinese military hackers with stealing records from the credit reporting agency Equifax, affecting 145 million Americans, almost half the country. China has been caught hacking the second-largest American health insurer, the agency that stores information about all government employees, even records from the Marriott hotel chain. Hawley says TikTok is just the friendly face of Chinese data harvesting. So what would the Chinese Communist Party do with all this information
4: build build dossiers build files on every american who they can get their hands on we could ask the same question about the equifax breach why would the chinese government be interested in in the financial history of hundreds of millions of americans what are they going to do with that well clearly they thought it was very very useful
3: hawley says TikTok shouldn't be allowed to operate in the u.s unless it separates completely from its Chinese parent, ByteDance. A deal to sell a piece of TikTok to Walmart and the U.S. software giant Oracle is in limbo because China is blocking the export of TikTok's proprietary algorithm. Bloomberg News likened that to selling KFC without the Colonel's secret 11 herbs and spices.
4: I want to see the actual terms of the deal. The platform, the app platform has got to be rebuilt because right now it's been built by Chinese engineers. They have control and access to how the platform works, to how the algorithm works. Otherwise, you're just changing the label.
3: Despite all the suspicion, TikTok's popularity is booming worldwide. It's been downloaded two and a half billion times in more than 150 countries. Here in the US, it's become a go to platform for creators of all stripes. Everybody breathing, some people are sneezing, including celebrities, influencers, and more and more older users.
6: I think the one thing that connects all of these videos, outside of them all being less than a minute in length, is really this idea of authenticity.
3: Vanessa Pappas is interim CEO of TikTok. A former YouTube executive, she inherited the top job in August, just in time to face all those thorny questions about China. She spoke to us from TikTok's new office in Los Angeles. What is your understanding of why the president wants to ban TikTok?
6: So when the executive order was delivered, uh, we very much came out and said that we disagree with the characterization, which was done without due process and was not based on facts.
3: Your parent company, ByteDance, is a Chinese company.
6: Yeah, so ByteDance is founded by our Chinese entrepreneur, Iming Zhang. And at the same time, though, ByteDance is a privately held company.
3: Do you report directly to him?
6: Yes, I report to him.
3: Is it fair to say that ByteDance engineers created the TikTok recommendation algorithm and that they helped to update it and maintain it?
6: So we have engineers around the world. Uh, TikTok actually has people in 48 countries around the world. Certainly, we have engineers in China as well.
3: Tell me about ByteDance. It's a massive social media company in China, but it's also billed as an artificial intelligence company.
6: Yes, they use AI to power a number of their products. Um, but again, I don't know how much else I could share about that since my day-to-day is really focused on, on TikTok.
3: Papa says her focus is on TikTok's content, yeah, not the technology cool behind too. it. And like many big tech executives, she downplays the amount and usefulness of data the platform collects.
6: If you were trying to find information on somebody, TikTok would not be the first place. It wouldn't be the hundredth place, and it wouldn't be the thousandth place.
3: Your critics, they point out that under China's 2017 cybersecurity law, Chinese-based companies are required to provide the Chinese government with access to their data.
6: TikTok does not operate in China. Uh, The U.S. data is stored here in the U.S. and with backup in Singapore, and we have strict data access controls. If a government were to request data, we will put that in our transparency report and tell you, and certainly, the Chinese government has not requested data, and if they did, it would be an emphatic no.
3: Former CIA officer Klan Kitchen says in China, no big technology company is independent of the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP.
7: The national security and cybersecurity laws of China require them to operate and build their networks in such a fashion as to where the government has unfettered access to their data. And so, no, the CCP doesn't ask them for information. They don't need to. They have access to the information.
3: It seems to be a great disconnect. I mean, the American people, at least the kids who are on TikTok, have no concern no. about what we're talking about here. That's right. They just think
7: it's fun. And for them, it is. They want to make a dance video with, with their friend. Um, I don't begrudge them that. But, you know, their ignorance of the threat does nothing to diminish it.
3: this week comments on last Sunday's stories about our story counting the vote, a suggestion for people complaining about the vote counting process. Sign up to work at the polls for the next election. It's a good way to learn about the procedures and safeguards in the process. David Martin's look at Operation Warp Speed drew this skeptical response. Why didn't you run the positive story on the vaccine management before the election? Hmm. Can you say media bias? And Scott Pelley's portrait of documentarian Ken Burns brought this. Ken Burns could do a five-part series on the history of soup, and I would watch it. And it would be awesome. I'm Bill Whitaker. We'll be back next week with another edition of 60 Minutes.
0: If you like 60 Minutes, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey.
5: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
0: Are you a fan of 60 Minutes? You can represent the most watched series on television with shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, and more at ParamountShop.com. You can take 20% off with code MINUTES20. That's 20% off at checkout on all 60 Minutes products with code MINUTES20 at ParamountShop.com.